Hey guys, welcome to another Slamfire microcast. And uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back for this. And uh, reason back for a good time, but not a long time. A micro time. I'm mm-hmm. back for a good time. No, I'm back for a micro time, not a good time. The more the, let's, I'm back. Deal with it. Well, however long it may happen to be, you'll you'll just have to grit your teeth and, and bear it. Bear with me while we get through this. So. Another typical smooth slamfire introduction. I see. Thank you for that. That's good. It feels feels awkward, cold time's sake. But yeah, no, dude. There's something going on in New Brunswick that um, hits really close to home, and uh, so I absolutely had to reach out to Steve and get him on to give us an update on the Springfield Range lawsuit. All right, so um, we've got a special guest for the news segment this week, and uh, his name is Steve, and he's joining us from the Fredericton, New Brunswick region. Now, Steve, you're a member of the Springfield range that we've been hearing a lot about in the news lately. And um, re- what, so first, it kind of made the news when we found out that your range was taken to CFO to court. And you're back in the news again because the CFOs actually um, got the province or the crown, whoever, to appeal the the decision that was in your favor. So let's take it back, Steve. Tell us how we got to where we are today by explaining what caused your club to bring the CFO's office to court in the first place. Let's let's kind of start there. Okay. So. Go back all the way to 2019. Uh, there was a lot of clubs keep being inspected that summer, and we were no different. We, you know, did all of our uh, range improvements and maintenance, made sure we were ready for inspection. And when we got our um, approval to operate back in December of 2019, uh, we noticed that not only had they changed our application to operate, they changed our hours of operation and a few other things, but they had also added 26 additional conditions, which were not on the previous uh, approvals that we'd received for our ranges. Okay, so let me jump right in there, Steve, and, and clarify something here for the listeners who may not know. In Canada, there is a federal range standard range certification process uh, some people refer to it as templated ranges. Some people refer to them as danger ranges versus no danger ranges. Mm-hmm. But New Brunswick has its own range certification policy. We have our own guidelines, our own standards. And in New Brunswick, our ranges are, are considered um, no danger ranges, which means yep. that our standard is actually more stringent than the federal standard. And um, what that means is our berms have to be higher. The angles have to be different because as far as our ranges are concerned, they're called no danger ranges because no round is ever supposed to leave the range, the shooting bay, the property. If you have a danger range, you require a template. X number of, I think it's kilometer maybe, but I don't quote me on that, around the perimeter of your range for in case a round should happen to leave, there's not supposed to be anything within a kilometer of the range that could be impacted by that round. So, so that being said, we already have our own standard. Yeah, and, you, and we actually met and exceeded the New Brunswick standard. Right. That's interesting I mean, to note. We're one of the right. few ranges that can say that. Like, we exceed just on like many us. levels. Yeah, exactly. Just like, just like up we're, Right, we're overbuilt. The three, like, I haven't been to every range in the province, but to date, every range that I've been to, and it's a lot, Fredericton and Woodstock... 
and Restigush are the best ranges I've been to. And they're better than a lot of ranges that I've been to in this country. Fredericton mm -hmm. is an exceptional range, well-maintained, well-built, well-laid out. So to be like, it was a shock when I heard that you guys were given all these extra conditions. So let's go through that. Bring it back to those extra conditions that you received. Um, so some of them were just basically uh, rehashing the firearms act. Uh, so a lot of them, you know, we were like, well, why are you stating the obvious when it's simply stated in the firearms act? Uh, but then there were other ones where they were trying to limit the type of targets we could use. Now in the, in the range design standards and in the, uh, in the firearms act, if I'm not mistaken, target selection is up to the uh, range operator. And they were trying to say things like we couldn't use uh, steel targets, you know, unless they, uh, you know, were shrouded or were at the backstop or what have you. Right, where shrouding is not it, a thing in New Brunswick. Yeah. And they were talking about mitigating things like uh, ricochets. They said if it hit the range floor, you know, we, we don't know where that range is, that round's going to go. And we pointed out quite well, succinctly. We do. It's it, called we, science and math. Well, exactly. Anyway, yeah. We pointed that out that in their own range design standards, we designed our range floor exactly to meet those standards. So, right. yeah. And they admitted that. So, <laughs> you know, we were dealing with, with constant... Uh, they the don't even know their own policies that they're yeah. then saying you're not following. Yeah. And, and they did something that we thought was kind of funny where they banned exploding targets and the, it came up in court. They said, well, why would you ban exploding targets? They're perfectly legal. And furthermore, the range has already decided that they don't want to allow exploding targets anyway, because of the damage to infrastructure that they can cause. Yeah. And you know, they couldn't give a, a reasonable answer for why these conditions were opposed other than they said they they borrowed heavily from Nova Scotia. Apparently, I I'm not familiar with all the ranges in the in the country, uh, mm. but they said that the CFO in Nova Scotia had imposed similar restrictions on their ranges, and we said, well, this is you know, it's kind of crazy because you give them an inch and it's they'll take a mile kind of thing. So well, yeah, like um, I remember his name, but he used to liken it to a loaf of bread. They just want one slice, but they keep taking yep. one slice at a time until they've got the whole loaf. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, and you can't even make yourself a PB&J. Right. So. Now, I miss Derek Early. When he was the CFO, you know what his attitude was? I'm not going to make up anything that's not in the Firearms Act. But if it's I, in the Firearms Act, we're all going to follow it. I had a discussion with him, actually, and he was one of the few people that said to me, he was willing to admit it out loud, nowhere in the Firearms Act does it state that you have to belong to a range in order to own a handgun. Well, John Gould, thank you very much. Proved that in right. court. He took the CFO to court over that point and yeah. won. Yeah. So, you know, these there, there are certain people that try to invent powers for themselves. And this was something that we as a, as a range, as a club, finally, we just said, you know what? Somebody's got to make a stand. It might as well be us. We were in a position to be able to do it. Um, and so we filed our Section 74 reference hearing in December 19th of 2019. Now, it took a long time to get through. Uh, the case was heard on several dates, uh, August 18th, November 19th, 2020, and January 6th, 2021. There was a lot of information to go through uh, because the judge went through each of their arguments one by one. And, you know, if you read the full uh, decision, she really dissected it and gave a good rationale. Is um, that decision available online for the listeners to, to download decision and read? Is available online. It's All actually right. on our website. Oh, if perfect. You go to, yeah, I gave the link, uh, I think, to you via email. Okay, it's, so we'll uh, get that put up in the yeah, show notes on definitely. our Facebook 
Yeah. Page. yeah. Excellent. The, not only is the is the full decision there that you can read through, but uh, you know, a little a little man named Ian Runkle, who yeah. has made. I this wouldn't call him a little man. That's a little mean, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm I know. downplaying. I wasn't his letting that go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he is a pillar he has in the community. Made this, these days. You know, this GoFundMe has become a success. I will say almost single handedly because of him and his. No, actions. no, no. It's because of what's going to happen on Slamfire Radio. But but you know that's fine. You can, <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you can make him a part of it. Ultimately, when I when I looked at thing. the when I looked at the GoFundMe this morning, it had a few thousand dollars, and I looked at it just before the show started, and it's over twenty six thousand right Woo! now. It'll be climbing. fifty after this airs, but anyway, carry on. I have no doubt that eventually <laughs> this this could go to a higher court. I mean, if they don't win this appeal, they'll push mm-hmm. it again and again. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I'm glad to see that the community is uh, is standing together. I mean, we want to get the background, but I'm going to take a second to talk about the GoFundMe because here's Mm -hmm. the thing. Every club has a vested vested interest in your fight because if this CFO gets away with it, and we already know that they've... We were influenced heavily by Nova Scotia. Well, the next thing you know, New Brunswick wins this, and Quebec is heavily influenced by New Brunswick, and then Ontario is heavily influenced by New Brunswick. And next thing you know, if one CFO can get away with making up new policies and rules, then they're all going to try it. So this fight affects everyone, all gun clubs. So like every gun club should be um, financially supporting this fight because guess what? They're next. Exactly. And that's what we've been seeing on the, on the GoFundMe. Um, the big question that came up during the, the uh, you know, course of presenting event, uh, evidence and whatnot was, did the CFO have the authority to change our, our, uh, our uh, application and grant approval with conditions, you know, or were they operating outside of their authority and jurisdiction and creating new power for themselves? Uh, the judge went through each argument and gave, like I say, a detailed rationale for each one and the decision she came to. But the TLDR of all of this is that obviously the judge found in her favor. And she cited that not only did the CFO overstep their authority by attempting to give themselves powers, which they did not have under the Firearms Act, uh, one of them being the ability to perform inspections at their discretion. Uh, In the Firearms Act, it's every five years or if there's an incident. That's clearly spelled out in the regulations. Uh, But the judge also pointed out that their own arguments, you know, they were either repeating and often misquoting and misinterpreting the the Firearms Act, or they didn't know their own documentation, such as the New Brunswick Range Design Standards, and it countered some of the arguments they were trying to make. Like, you know, when I talked about the uh, not knowing where the ricochet is going, if it impacts the range floor, that's in their range design standards. Right. That's, that's in a document they provide to us. Exactly, and, and we follow around. it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, you know. Chief Justice Richard, she gave her final verdict on April 27th to us, and she stated that the conditions to the approval did not meet the standard of reasonableness and were not justified. Then she went on further and said the conditions that misinterpreted the regulations or the standards of the design didn't meet the standards of correctness. And as a result, all conditions in our approval were removed. Um, Now, one issue that she did send back to them, and, you know, rightfully, wrongfully so, I, I can't say. Uh, we had we'd applied for 24-hour shooting so we could do low-light shooting under safe conditions at the range cool. uh, to run night matches. Yeah, well, there are people show up and train at night, and and no rules seem to apply to them. Exactly, and it but was actually still using a range approved by the province. It was a condition in our range lease 
to make the range available at night for agencies to train at. Right. So how can we do that if we're not allowed to be open at night? So that was sent back and that's fine. We, you know, we're looking at that. Uh, we had a, we had a set of, of low light shooting regulations that we had drafted. Uh, there's, they did, they said they didn't have any examples of anybody shooting at night in Canada. Uh, since then we've discovered there are ranges that do night shooting, uh, trap and skeet do a lot of night shooting. Uh, there's, there's people that do biathlon at night. There's people do pistol shooting at night all across this country. So we won the original court case on April 27th. And of course the minister filed an appeal within 30 days as was required by law. And that's why we, we said, okay, we've got to do something here. Minister of public safety. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately um, it falls under, it falls under him. Yeah. Right? Public, yeah public safety. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name right it's off. Like the, something else that the listeners may not know is that the new, the province of New Brunswick has its own firearms advisory committee. And that yes. committee is made up of sport shooters and business owners and instructors. And they report to who? The minister. Exactly. Not the CFO. So, okay. Just yep. another little tidbit that's worth mentioning. So, like I say, we, uh, originally our, our case was handled by, uh, you know, Glenn Abbott, uh, legal badass as, uh, Ian Runkle had, uh, <laughs> had, had spoken of him as, and he is, he's an amazing lawyer. And he pretty much did that original case pro bono, um, which we can't thank him enough for. Jeez, but that's uh, amazing because there's work went into this. There was a lot of work went into this. You you have no idea. Like the club president, the board, everybody mm-hmm. really did a lot of research. Even I, I want to toot my own horn, even myself. I provided them with uh, Ian Runkle's case law, who, you know, when he filed his ATT and they, they changed his application for an ATT and he won that case. Mm-hmm. I provided them with that case law. And we actually used that in court as one of our arguments. Sweet. We had that case law. So like I say, Ian Runkle, we can't say enough good things about him. No, <laughs> He is by far the, one of the best resources we have out there in the firearms world. Um, but yeah, so for the appeal process, we already knew that uh, Mr. Abbott wasn't going to be able to do it. So we retained the services of a lawyer. We knew that it was likely going to get appealed. So we had a lawyer retained prior to this. And, uh, you know, we sat down and we said, okay, what can we do? And one of the board members suggested, hey, why don't we try GoFundMe? You know, we we know we're a community out there. Are we a strong community? Let's find out. And like I say, it's been going very strong uh, so far. It's only been up for about a, less than a week, I think. Sure, but we've only paid for about three days work yeah lawyers yeah. lawyers billable hours i mean could be 500 dollars an hour mm-hmm. so it, that gofundme has a long ways to go before it pays for this appeal yeah well i'm wondering how far they're willing to push uh because well, the further they push the more far-reaching the decision will have right yep that's you right know. it's a gamble if they lose it's it's good for all of us and bad for them. Exactly, but, exactly. But, you know, Ottawa's going to pay attention because Ottawa's <sighs> getting involved in court cases with the CCFR and other I, organizations. I and can so, tell you that Ottawa started paying attention from the original case. There you go. So we we really caught their eye. Now we're not trying to be dissidents or anything. I mean, if you look at our webpage where we talk about it, we even mention it doesn't mean that it's carte blanche, that everybody can do whatever they want. 
we have rules we have to follow. Here's what they are. Yeah, all we're asking for is to not make up new and unreasonable ones. Exactly. How do you keep? How do you play a game and try to win if the opponent keeps moving the goalpost? Right. Right. We yep. we abide by the law. We expect you know politicians and and uh, government officials to do the same. Right. And, uh, you, you know. I mean. I don't know how to say it other than, you know, like I'm disappointed because I didn't see this coming out of the current CFO's office. You um, know what? And that was some of the comments we initially got when the case broke. Uh, like, oh, you know, Lisa's one of the best yeah. CFOs we've ever had. And I said, yeah. you know what? I, I totally agree with you. Personally, I think Lisa's an awesome person. Yep. I think she got some bad advice or. I don't know what it is. I She's... don't know what it is. But she's picking up a mess that came from a previous administration, and she has yeah, to deal with but, it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, she, she – I'm, I'm, I'm going to speculate and just give my opinion here, but, like, the way – my impression is, like, she's been in there for so long, and mm. the CFO's seat is filled by a bureaucrat who is keeping it warm until he gets to go to his next bureaucratic position, right? You've yeah. got CFOs in there that know literally – uh, they know so little about firearms. It's frightening. And um, I've, she is basically, in my opinion, I feel like she's been training most of the CFOs for the last decade. I would think so, because it was a bit of a revolving door for a while. It really was. Yeah. And she was the one that had a handle on everything. So when a CFO came in, I'm sure that she was the one that was basically training them up, bringing them up to speed and was their right hand person. Mm -hmm. And it only made sense for her to get the job. And I was excited because I never had a bad dealing with her or a, a bad communication. Like I thought, oh, this is awesome. She knows the Firearms Act. She knows the province. She, she's she got relationships with the clubs. This is going to be good. We're going to yeah. work together in a positive way and move forward. And and then well, here we are. One positive thing I can say is, and because the when we filed, we asked for the... Um, the range inspection uh, details. We wanted to know, you know, how did our range hold up? Can we have the the inspector's notes and the actual report? We actually had to end up filing, filing an access to information request for that. They wouldn't ah. give it to us. Now they've changed that policy since, and I, I would assume that's 100% because of her. Uh, but imagine, you know, they inspect your range and they won't even tell you how you did. You why want would, to know? Like why, why is it a secret? I, that's you, what I'm saying. Are you just a lazy kern and you're not doing your job? Uh, yeah. You I mean, I'm not going to the criticize report? their penmanship, you know? Right. I'm not going to criticize their penmanship. I just want to know if there's something we have to improve on. Let us know. If not, thank you very much, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's so it's it's uh, it's an unfortunate place to be because I'm there was a few ranges. I belonged to more than one uh, throughout New Brunswick. And some of them, they, they didn't want to lift their head and be, you know, that target. The, you, don't, you don't want to be the prairie dog that pops its head up That's out of the hole. That's always been our problem in this community, mm -hmm. though. It's like, stay under the radar. Don't ruffle yeah. any, you know. Well, I, luckily just... for us, Springfield is a 600-pound uh, prairie dog. Yep. And we got pretty good thick skin. Yeah, it's been know? around a long time. It's got a lot of members. Like I said, it's yeah. an amazing facility. And, and, um, and it's not like we're a bunch of yahoos either. I mean, this range. No, this is not a redneck is range. This very is a professional, professional range. And yeah. we, we do our best to exceed the regulations at all times. Mm -hmm. Like I say, when, there are some ranges I've been at throughout the country that I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, it's I, an accident waiting to happen, it, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just waiting to go on the news. Mm -hmm. But Springfield, 
out of all the ranges I've ever been to, it's one of the best. Mm -hmm. And and like you said, I go up to Restigouche and and I love it because it's a great facility. You know, you go to Woodstock. I love it. It's a great facility. These the places that go above and beyond, mm -hmm. uh, getting negative attention is never right. a good thing. No, but uh, I, I I just I, I can't. I, I'm lost for words <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. You know? Well, someone has to take them to court and uh, uh, set some precedence on on some of these things. And, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm glad you guys did. Is sue the bastards. And Adriel yeah. loves yeah. that one. Yeah, I yeah. I kind of laughed when I uh, when Adriel first mentioned this. I remember listening to the show, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you know, why why be able to spend your money on things the members might actually enjoy?" And that's the worst part is we had to make that decision. Like, were yeah. we going to invest major monies in range improvements, which we did have on our plan? We have a ten year plan. Uh, we're going to expand. I mean, we are looking at building the range up, adding like five pistol bays you know like really yep. building this up more and then, uh but at the at the end of the day you know we had not to take some action so we put yep. our plans on hold to fight for everyone's rights can you imagine like abbotsford fishing game spent i think it was forty thousand dollars on landscaping mm. to beautify the property <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Here we are in the Maritimes struggling to raise money to go to court to just to ask to be like, just just go back to the original standard. Stop making stuff up. That's all we're really yeah. after. But but on the flip side, you know, what are the range fees at Abbotsford versus most of the ranges in New Brunswick, right? Oh, yeah. Like for sure. It's 300, 350 a year or whatever. Yeah. But so when I first the first range I ever joined in New Brunswick, I think I paid forty dollars. Right. On yeah. The range. <laughs> and well, yeah, that's any money to do anything. And I said, well, you want to know why? And actually they've raised their, their range fees. I would say almost by 50% because they realized they didn't have enough money to even meet their operation costs. Yeah. So yeah. It's when it went from 65 to a hundred people were threatening to quit. Like, oh yeah. You serious? Yeah. Oh, you get God. more out of it, right? Like if, if you if you get that extra money, you can do more with bays, you can uh you can have those uh leagues and that kind of thing. And you can, you know, sue the government every once in a while. Right. That's fun. The the best thing we've got going for us is we've got a lot of uh a lot of military people that come in because we have base gauge town, you know, yeah. 40 minutes away. Yeah. And they're coming in and they're saying, I get all of this for 150 bucks. Yeah. Like that's insane. They said I paid six hundred at my range out in BC. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's it's crazy to BC. think that yeah. what we're offering for the you know for the price, yeah. and we get a lot of that good feedback. And word spreads. You know, if you do if you build it, they will come. That's our exactly and that thousand meter range. Like we've had more people say, "Listen, I joined because you have a thousand meter range." Yeah, you I know? don't care that you're four hours away. Exactly. I would join if I had a thousand meter gun. Yeah. Because I yeah. mean, you know, pre COVID, I was in Fredericton just about every other weekend anyway. So you might why as not? well, right? Yeah. You're, grab filthy. You're going to hang out with filthy. You come right. on up and visit me and yeah, exactly. go for a little bit of long range shooting. Laugh well, at now my I think I need one. <laughs> so, okay, Steve, back on track. So, um, what's next? Any dates set? Um, where right are we with now, the process? Right now, we don't have a date. Okay. Uh, I think we're on, I think they mentioned somewhere around the July docket. Uh, 
I'm not a, a lawyer or a legal expert by any means, um, but uh, what our uh, what Glenn Abbott said to us was it would probably end up on the the July docket. Uh, I don't know how that works with the appeals court and where it goes from there. I really don't know. Um, I wish I had more information on that. But all right, well I then let's. It, they could have the the appeal could be denied. I mean, yeah. there's no there's no saying this appeal is going to be even allowed. But yeah. they filed it. Yeah. And that's where you've got to be ready in case yeah. it does. Of go course, ahead. we can't we can't start a GoFundMe after the fact. Exactly. So, okay, Steve, how do we how do we send money to this thing? What do we got to do? Okay, if you go on GoFundMe and you actually type in in the search bar Springfield Sports Club mm-hmm. versus like VS NBCFO Legal Fund, it starts popping up right away. Okay, um, and it's it's easy. You can donate uh, either anonymously. You can donate under a pseudonym, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, you'll see Illegal Canadian donated some money. Uh, okay. You can donate any way you want. Because I, I realize that not everybody is comfortable with having their name out there. Some people are, some people aren't. And mm-hmm. we need everybody. So if you were sitting on the fence and saying, I don't know if I should put my, my money in there because I don't want my name to go on a list. Hey, Donate You're already on a list. You're already on a list. Yeah, and they're checking your name every morning yeah. on CPIC. So exactly. just get over it. You're already cool. on a list. But uh, yeah, and you know what? I I am overwhelmed. When I look at the donations that are coming in, uh, I just refreshed my page. They went up again since we've been talking. So Perfect. And I'm seeing all kinds of names and clubs and people across this country that are just giving some great support. So Thank you to everybody who's donating. Thank you. If you can't donate, I get it. But you know what? Speak it. it. Stand up. Share it. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, Because as as Ian Runkle said, this affects all ranges in Canada, not just Springfield. This affects all ranges. It will spread in their favor every bit as much as it will spread in ours. So it's yet another fight that we have to rally together to win so exactly i mean imagine you couldn't do ipsic anymore because some irrational decision that was just arbitrary in nature you know oh if they get away with the shrouding of the steel stuff it will hurt our ipsic program so much i mean Mm -hmm. you know like we're one of the last bastions of free steel in canada like i don't think there's any steel allowed in quebec period and in ontario it has to be in a bunker in the berm in some cases Nova Scotia requires shrouding and get this like now I've met the man. He's a wonderful human being. I, I, I couldn't say a, a, a negative thing about him. If you put like, I just couldn't, I know the CFO from Nova Scotia because he's an Ipsic shooter. <laughs> I'm on his squad very yeah. often. I know the man, like I have his personal email. He's a yeah. super awesome guy, but you, so you would think that he would that have an ounce C- of common sense. Well, and he does, but you'd okay. think like, okay, the Nova Scotia CFO is an Ipsic shooter and they still have to shroud steel. Oh, well, yeah. they do. It is Ironically, it is, right? uh, a few hour, a few uh, years ago, not hours ago, sorry, I did a study on steel targets um, for another range that I belong to because they were toying with the idea. They're like, do we want to allow steel, not allow steel? And they weren't really a, an action shooting range. They were more gallery style. So I contacted the CFO's office and they sent me, number one, the range design standards. Okay, that's great. And they said, we also give this document, which 
you know, is by one of the steel manufacturers. It was a Savage Arms steel targets. And they said, this is what we provide. And if you follow the standards that they're suggesting for steel target use, you'll be fine. And I looked at it and you know what they actually said the safe distance is for their steel targets? Less than what we allow, much less. Oh yes, less than what they uh, than what we allow. Yep. They said they could be shot point blank range, completely safe, as long as you had Ooh. it properly angled or hanging loose, yep. Yep. point blank. And angled I said, you know what? Forward. The physics of that, yes, yep. I agree. It's but people be dumb. So but people would be dumb. So we don't do it, right? Yep. We go yep. above the safety standard. That's right. But that's what they gave me. They said that is the standard. Now here we are where some ranges I belong to because those conditions they applied to us, they said we applied the same conditions to everybody. Well, other ranges I belong to got different. Well, you know why the rest of us standards, you know, why the rest of us aren't hooped. Why is that? All the other inspections got delayed due to COVID. We got another letter at Rustigus just the other day Mm -hmm. saying they're delayed again to next year. Yeah. I I actually heard about that. And uh, I said, well, we're not due for another (laughs) four years. So, Whoop-de-dang. Yeah, but yours doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. But anyway, the the steels yeah. one. I mean, uh, eventually some of the, some of these ranges are are being mandated to use barrel limiters. Some of them mm-hmm. are are having no sky rules. Some of them are having, mm. or they got to put like a uh, oh I don't know like a sawtooth pattern in the in their uh, turf in the ground for long range and that kind of oh, thing. Oh, nice! Like there's all sorts of ridiculous stuff being. Uh, Do being you know what's ironic about that? That sawtooth pattern, those little mini berms. Mm-hmm. on the long ranges we have some and that was one of the things they didn't like <laughs> on our range floor and we're like it's an added safety feature and that it's, you don't and understand it's obviously. actually in the range design standards for gallery ranges wow man it's in their own standards to use these these ground baffles yeah and they said no we don't like those they should come out yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just I'm like it's in your standard. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts know. those shooting sports. I mean, it's hard to do uh, maple seed or positional shooting when you've got to use barrel limiters as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, Ipsic with shrouded steel and that kind of thing. It's uh, it's it's whittling away at it. It is. Yeah. It's, it's important. It's important to sue the bastards once in a while. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't like to call names or be mean or anything. But no, it's just his favorite you, expression when it comes to this sort of thing. It's, it's one of those things that. Uh, if we're expected to follow the law, I expect everybody else to have to follow the Bingo. law. Bingo. You know, and, Bingo. and we've said it a thousand times. Licensed gun owners are the most law-abiding people on the face of the planet. We have to be. Otherwise, right. we don't get to continue our sport. Yep. So. so those who are enforcing that on us should lead by example. Exactly. Rules for thee, not for me. All right. Well, Steve, we're going to wrap that up. This is just a quick and dirty news segment to update the listeners on your case. I hope that you will stay in touch and come back and give us an update the next time something significant happens. 100%. And I hope to see you at the SMB 250. Are you saying? Uh, didn't, didn't get in. No. I think there was, a, there was a conflict in my schedule or something. Oh. So, But I'm in the Marishi on Sunday. I was looking forward to beating you again. Or have again. I ever? Hold on, Adriel, I'm going to make a statement out loud and Trevor cannot contradict this. Uh-huh. I am one of the top shooters in New Brunswick in my division. Trevor, can you argue with that? I cannot. So there we go. Don't say why. Doesn't no. matter. <laughs> it's a factual statement. I'll say a statement that you can't that. argue with. All right. <laughs> Adriel, do you remember last year how I lost a match due to a rope pulling contest instead of a rifle shooting contest 
that was that was his match. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sorry about that. We brought that Fantastic. up again on the weekend about how Mark beat me in a rope pulling contest to win a gun match against me. You know what? Mark was a, a beast in that match. I, I will. You know not what? I told that. him how to do it. I'm. I'm yeah. sorry. I am very, very sorry that I told him how to do it. Anyway, okay. All right. All right. Well, listen. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Not a and, problem. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, I look forward to talking to you again, and more importantly, I look forward to seeing you in person real soon. All right. See you Take later. Take care, man. Thanks. Bye.